0: running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 200 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a seven-day money-back guarantee. So go check them out at linode.com slash show.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Freelancer Show. This week, on our panel, we have Jonathan Stark. Hello, and I'm Ruven Lerner, and we are going to speak this week about optimizing for conversations. So John, why don't you describe a bit what we're talking about here?
2: Absolutely. So what we're talking about here is uh, where do we start? You could think of it as a way to get more leads. You could think of it as a way to raise your prices. You could think of it as a way to deliver more value. Uh, there's a, a lot of ways you can think about it, but the reason it is on my mind is because I was working with a student last night who does training stuff uh, like you, but it's a little more on the recorded variety. And he was asking me a question about, you know, how to sort of get things to the next level, how to sell a particular kind of membership to his site and those sorts of things. and. What we did first was we went through an exercise where we figured out what the value proposition, what he thought his value proposition for his product was. And, and this would be true if you were, you know, selling development services too. It's like, what's the value proposition of what you're doing? Who do you help with what? What's the expensive problem you solve? What's the opportunity you capture? You know, what? why would somebody give you money? And you come up with this sort of hypothesis of what your value proposition is, and then then. Uh, I said, okay, now we want to validate that. And he's like, well, how do I do that? And I'm like, talk to people. So, you know, identify the people who are in his target market. He was able to do that. He knows who he's trying to reach. He knows who he 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 knows who he wants to help. And he believes that he understands what they will value and how they want to be helped, what kind of help that they're looking for. But we need to validate that. And the reason we need to validate it is because, you know, he's going to make a bunch of decisions about what to write on his website, whether or not he should... Promote himself with Google AdWords or on Facebook ads or on Twitter and social media or an email list or podcasting and so on and so forth. There's a million things you can do. All these tactics out there to uh, you know increase your impact, increase your income. But you don't you know if you don't have a strategy and you're not clear on on your objectives, then the tactics are just sort of this bag of junk, sort of crashing around. It doesn't necessarily move you forward anywhere because you haven't picked a direction so you're just like twiddling levers and knobs inside the car and like hoping something's going to happen you know like i keep opening up the glove compartment but i'm not getting any closer to my destination (laughs) so okay so how do you how do you get answers to these questions and and the way that you do it is not rocket science you just ask people you just find people who you want to help and you get in touch with them and talk to them Really, you don't even, it's not even talking to them. You really just ask them a couple of questions and you listen, listen, listen. And you just try to get, the, you know, keep them talking, you taking notes and just being an active listener and genuinely caring about what they're telling you. And doing these sort of market research phone calls. It's like, a, it's not a sales thing. It's a market research thing. So, you know, I said, do you know anybody in this target market? He's like, yeah, I used to be in it. I have a bunch of friends there. I'm like, could you get? Get some of them on the phone, do you think? He's like, Yeah, I'm sure they could jump on the phone with me. So I was like, Okay, so your marketing activity for the next three to four weeks is going to be to optimize for conversations. Everything you do is going to be about setting up more conversations. See if you can get 20, 30, 40 conversations set up between now and like next month, same time next month. And when that's over, he's going to have ESP, he's going to be able to like read people's minds you know, he'll write headlines on his website that are straight from the mouths of a bunch of people who he's meant to serve or wants to, is seeking to serve. And they're going to read his site and they're going to be like, oh, totally. Yes. They'll laugh. They'll be like, oh, this guy's got my ticket. He knows exactly this. You know, it builds a lot of trust. They feel like uh, this, this thing, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, training courses or self-paced tutorials or you know website development services or branding services or copywriting it doesn't matter if they if they come to your page and you're basically in their head it's going to set you apart from everybody else they're not going to want to look around they're going to want to work with you so yeah so that's the basic concept of of uh you know he's he's in a phase and I think probably a lot of people are in a phase where it would make sense to talk to more people in the target market to validate the hypothesis, validate the value proposition that you think is what you're selling.
1: Right. Right. I mean, I guess so, so cause I was going to ask you, so how do you set up these conversations or how do you find these people who are interested in speaking with you? But you're saying like, just even go with your local you know, go with the people, you know, go mm-hmm. with your initial contacts and just have a conversation with them about what would help in their work. What would, what would be good for them, and that will probably lead you to bo- both more people and
2: the right topics to discuss with them. Mm-hmm. Right. It can. It can. In, in fact, if Philip were here, he'd probably be saying that if you don't know how to get in touch with your chosen target market, it's probably a bad choice for you. So, and, oh. and, and another thing I'll say is if you. If you because the next question is, well, yeah, but how do I convince these strangers to get on the phone with me? And I'm like, if you can't convince these strangers to get on the phone with you for 15 minutes, do you how like how, how do you think you're gonna get them to pay you fifty thousand dollars? Like they won't even get on a phone call with you and you and you think somehow magically you're you're gonna get your website perfect finally and checks are gonna start flying at you. It doesn't work like that. Like you need to be able to, if you can't get this small ask, you're not going to be able to get a big ask very easily or certainly not with any kind of predictability, which is why everybody ends up, you know, the few leads that they do get are usually word of mouth because they get that trust transfer from the third party. That's very, very interesting. Right.
1: Right. You need, I mean, at a certain point when you're running a business like this, you need to be willing to get on the phone with people you don't know who have a business in an area that you think you can help and talk to them about it. And I know I I just spoke recently, I can't remember who it was with, I spoke with, recently with someone who's relatively new in consulting, and they said, yeah, but I don't really feel that comfortable talking to people about money. And I said, well, that's sort of part of the game, right? You, you got." And I, I remember that reticence. I remember thinking, well, I don't want to talk to people about money. I just want to help them. I said, you, you got to do that, right? You are helping them, and you're getting a great feeling out of that. But at the end of the day, you want them to pay you, and they have to pay you. And it's, and it's good for everyone that they pay you. They'll take your work much more seriously, and they'll value it. And they will ask you back. It's not like you're offending them by asking for money or mm-hmm. even by negotiating over the money. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I guess in the same way, like calling people up is just part of the game. You got to get used to it.
2: Right. I mean, if you aren't comfortable talking to people, you really need to ask yourself if you should be your own boss. You know, it, it, I mm-hmm. suppose it depends on what you do. You know, you could be some sort of cave dweller, behind the scenes genius that uh, somehow just gets, you know, receives email and and doesn't have to ever talk to people, you know, just sends back. Massively valuable valuable information. Somehow, I, I don't know, but it, it's just way like all of the all of the things that you hear and all the tips that you hear. You know, including this show. If you have no objective or strategy defined for your business, because that's if you're a freelancer, you're running a business. Hate to tell you, um, if you have no objectives and strategy clearly defined, and you're just picking up tactics then it's highly likely they're not going to pull you in a particular direction. You're not going to make any forward motion. Like the tactics all work. yeah, you know, They're probably all good tactics for achieving some kind of objective in the context of a given strategy for a particular person. So if you know Joe Blow does tweet storms and that is, he's just like, oh man, tweet storms are the best thing ever. Yeah, for him in the context of his strategy and his business and his clients, it doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Right. Because if you don't, right. you know, if you just, if there's no cohesiveness to it, it's just not going to do anything. So the point is, I guess, that at some point you're going to have to talk to somebody. And and if you can't do, let's just for the sake of argument say that people, people will do that. Dear listener, you will do this if you were, knew how to do it in a way that didn't make you feel scummy or like you're being sneaky or salesy or gross because presumably you talk to people all the time and you don't feel gross about that. So I, what I'm suggesting is that this is no different. So you've got some area of expertise. You're good at a particular thing. Let's say it's, uh, I don't know, Photoshop. You're good at Photoshop. You make uh, social media banners for people. You're like really good at that. And you know, you want to sell to consult, you know, like, uh yeah, just consultants independent soloist consultants you want to help them with their uh twitter uh, presence so you could reach out to some people that you know that do that and i mean hopefully you've got a network of people around you that you can just sort of tap your network and say hey does anybody know soloist independent consultants and reach out to them and say you know like hey looking looking for help i'm looking for help could we jump on a quick (laughs) phone call thinking about putting together a new service, but I just want to make sure that there's an actual problem that I'm solving before i you know before I make any big assumptions and it would I would hugely value your input if you could just you know answer a couple of questions for me on the phone and just send them a really polite nice email in fact in in the show notes, I'll link to a couple of examples that I think will make people feel a little bit more comfortable, um even reaching out to total strangers who are in the market but you know, like we said earlier, if if you don't know anybody to reach out to that's in your target market, it might not be a great choice. Right, right. Um, so, for, so Ruben, for you, so you know, we were talking a little bit before the call, and you're like, I don't, I don't really do that. I don't really, I don't really reach out to my buyers. And and my reaction was, you don't right now because you've been doing it for so long that you've talked to them and now you know like now you have the esp right right so i guess
1: we can divide into sort of two parts which is one is knowing how to conduct the conversation right Mm -hmm. and now the conversation that i get when i get a call from from a company saying we're interested in doing a python course i know roughly what objections they're going to raise and and by the way i should note it's almost never money. If it's an established company, like I'm within the, the right range of what they expect to pay a training company. And they couldn't care less whether I'm a 100 person training company or a one man show, right? This is what they've got budgeted. As long as it's like within the ballpark, they're happy. Mm-hmm. So money is not the argument ever. It's, you know, syllabus, it's time. I just spoke with a company where they said, well, wow, we were really small. So we don't want to have people take off full days. So, you know, so we really prefer for them to do, uh, you know, half days. So I, I'm sort of expecting and used to certain things that they're going to ask me. At the same time, um, right, I didn't always know what to expect. And but I, again, I'm not sure. I guess it did come to some degree. It wasn't from outreach. It was from many conversation, but wasn't necessarily from outreach. Mm-hmm. But I definitely did know that I needed to talk to people about what their needs were um uh, because otherwise like it just wasn't going to work I, and and especially when I was starting off with training I mean I was so clueless <laughs> when I look back and think about it both about the training part and about the business part um uh, like what do they expect what do they know what did they budget um how do these things work um uh, like it was just today I was I was telling one of my kids you know my standard thing is I take an hour for lunch 15 minute break in the morning 15 minute break in the afternoon no one ever told me to do that right I just sort of arrived at that I have no idea what other people do maybe they do much more maybe they do much less so, um, so, so I definitely, that said, I have on a few occasions, you've sort of jogged my memory on this, a few occasions in the last year or two, even had conversations with existing clients about new kinds of products and services I can offer. So when I started wanting to teach data science, I would talk to them about like, what are their needs? How would that work? How can we work together on this? And I even talked to them about sort of outreach. I talked to them about a whole lot of things like how to improve things for themselves quite frankly they make them more likely to buy from me in the future um right because like i i always want to have my finger on the pulse of what they're up to so that um you know i can be sure that they're going to want to buy lots more from me in the future so i do have some of these conversations just not cold calls shall we say
2: yeah so that's a probably that's a pretty important distinction so let's separate those two things because i know that the concept of outreach or outbound sales is terrifying to a lot of people And that's why, you know, that's why we called it optimizing for conversations. It doesn't have to be outreach. It could be just, you know, it doesn't, I guess it's still outreach if you contact your friends who are in the ideal space, you know, your ideal buyers. If if you're friends with them, you can just reach out. But it could be past clients. It could be existing clients. It it doesn't matter as, as long as you're having conversations and going into those conversations with with like a, a firewall around the idea of selling anything. You are not gonna sell anything. They, if they beg you to take their money, don't. This is, it's not a sales conversation. It's like you're just talking to people about their problems and genuinely giving a crap about, about them. When you're talking to them and you're not thinking about yourself at all, you just want them to, to brain dump in your area. So let's say you do like Angular training. And your ideal buyer is, I don't know, um, you know, you're selling to individual like, B, you know, B2C type of thing. You're selling to individual developers and you go to a, uh, you've got a bunch of friends that are developers. Or maybe you go to a meetup and you sit down with people, you are like, you know, just tell me about, hey, man, so you're doing Angular now? Man, that that transition from one point whatever to two must have been a real, real pain. And just let them vomit all of the the and they will
1: yeah and of course people they love to complain about these things right and i mean it's like I, I i i mean i've sometimes had a feeling that like i'm a sort of technology therapist mm-hmm. for some of these companies right they just want to be able to say oh my god now, like this version update was a bear or getting my people to you know collaborate is hard or they're just bugs in this latest version of whatever right i mean we all do it mm-hmm. but do we have someone who's inviting us to talk about it? No, it's our spouses who are like, oh, enough of this technology <laughs> stuff already. Right? Yes. Uh, so yeah, they'll 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 love to and, and the fact that you'll then ask the question, oh, tell me more and 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 then like to basically say, as we engineers love to do, I can help you fix that problem. Right? Like engineers love to find problems that we can fix. Mm-hmm. And if it's a company of engineers, they're gonna be delighted that there's someone who wants to fix this problem. Like they're gonna see that as great. And they will see that's something they want to pay money for.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. So, but the first step definitely is to find out what people see as their problems. Cause, and they might, they might uh, in fact, I think it's fair to say usually they relate to you the symptoms and perhaps not the underlying cause. They'll usually tell you some particularly painful symptom or something that might not seem... Um, You know, if you have a lot more knowledge in the space, it might seem sort of childish to you because the thing that they're worried about is, is so easy to fix. You know, I I, typically back when I did a lot of desktop software, you know, you'd talk to an end user who was an expert at like plastics manufacturing and they would be freaking out about the tab order of the fields on an interface. And I'd be, like, <laughs> I'd be like, move over, I'll fix that in 30 seconds. And but it changes their whole job, like dramatically changes their whole job. And it, those are the kinds of things you're looking for, but and and the kind of things that you'll never just figure out by sitting around and, and thinking harder and harder. Like it's not gonna pop into your mind. So if you if you just talk and talk and talk to these this group of people who you would like to serve, people you would like to work with just get them on the phone and and get them talking about their what keeps them up at night and maybe you'll find nothing maybe you'll find that or they have things that you cannot imagine a way that you could help them with like you know for example me talking to credit union executives a lot of them are super worried about uh leadership and human resource type things with their branch employees i don't do anything related to that so I'll be like, Mo- oh, okay, that's interesting. Mo-
1: mobile apps aren't going to improve that,
2: right? You know, I just that's just not my area. But okay, I learned that. I, you know, and what did I learn? I learned that they don't really think about technology that much, or at least this person. You know, there's a, a pattern that the CEO is a, a lot more fish to fry uh, than just technology. So maybe I should be talking to the CIO, or maybe I should be talking to the CMO or the CFO. So those are the kind of things you're going to pick up. And there's there's really. If if you feel greasy about it, you're you're thinking something wrong. You you know you're thinking that you're being sneaky. You're thinking that you're going to try and get some sale out of it or turn the kind. But that's just put that out of your mind, and it takes all the pressure off. You're not looking to sell anything. You're just looking to find out more about this person's pains, and and be you know kind of uh, there, there's a scale of uh, I don't know what it's called, but it's kind of like a scale of reaction to. Human suffering, and it, the scale starts at pity, where you recognize that someone is suffering from something, and you oh, it's terrible that that person is—I don't know—has this problem with their branch managers. But you don't really care; you just re- see that it's a problem, and you like move on with your day. And then there's sympathy stage, where you see it, and you're like, oh, that's too bad, and you you uh, express. Some concern for them, but but up to the point. But you don't, uh, you don't. Well, it's hard to not use those self-referential words. But you're not going to do anything about it. So it's not. It's not. It's more than pity, but it's less than empathy. If what you want to get to is the empathy stage, where you are moved to, act, like you've, you you uh, empathize with the other person. I don't know. I don't know how to say it other than that. Uh, and then the, the highest stage you, is the compassion you demonstrate
1: stage.
2: Actual, right You demonstrate actual concern.
1: Like it's not mm-hmm. just, oh, that's too bad. Because we all do that with other people. Mm-hmm. But it's actually, I, I would argue, like there's some interaction there. Like, you know, tell me more. And maybe like empathy is sort of sharing the feelings, right? Like if they're sad, then you get a little sad
2: too. If they're excited, you get a little excited too. Right. And then the compassion stage. The compassion stage is where you go full on, change the world, I must I must make this problem cease to exist. So that's where you see like charities and, you know, billionaires donating to, you know, some charitable organization, clean water organization, something like that. But if you want to, you want to get yourself to the point where you've got a, you've got a target market who has a problem that you get to the empathy stage with. And, you know, pity's not enough. sympathy's not quite enough. You need to actually give a crap, which starts to happen at the empathy phase. And if you can find that and just, you know, uh, get at their pains and and fingers crossed, find one that you can actually assist with, then you're done. Like you, you just, you found it. You can just write your marketing copy. You might not even need marketing copy because if you really click with that person and you can do something to solve that problem and you just encourage them to refer you other people that might be enough but at the bottom, at the end of the day freelancing is a service business this is a service thing that we're in so you, you know we are serving people whether you're a freelancer or a consultant it's a service business so thinking about it like I'm the expert and I'm going to sort of do unto you as you should be done unto it's it's not it doesn't work like that
0: do you run your own freelance business or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love and enter dev chat in the "How did you hear about us?" section.
1: Yeah, but like you definitely, uh, yeah, as part of that service, you want to give people uh, you know uh, warm feelings about working with you and like pleasant interactions. You can be the world's biggest technical genius, but if you show up and you're a jerk, or if you don't, even if you're not a jerk, like if you just don't demonstrate that warmth and compassion that you were just describing, they're not going to invite you back. I mean, and 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 we've all had people like this. I mean working in your house or just interactions, you know, lawyers, doctors, whatever. Oh yeah, they really, I guess doctors are often accused of this, right? Oh, they really knew their stuff, but oh, their bedside, bedside manner was horrible. Um, you, you want to be the person with the amazing bedside manner where they say, wow, I you know, sort of, I can't wait to have a problem so that I can invite them to help me.
2: <laughs> right. That'd be pretty extreme for doctors, right? right. But yeah, it's totally true <laughs> because if you're if you are, let's just call it jerky, then it's not going to it's a trust killer and none of this stuff works without trust so there there needs to be trust there that a genuine this is not something you can fake and have it be effective a genuine empathy for your audience or your buyer or whoever it is is going to be a huge trust builder and it also increases the perceived value it's just good all the way around it leads to long-term relationships but so so maybe a little bit of a rabbit hole on empathy. But if you, the reason to go into it is that if you feel slimy, setting up phone calls like this, or even even asking past clients or you know colleagues, people that maybe you're not like close friends with, uh, it's because it's because you still have this wrong. You're feeling like you're going to take something. Like the plan is for you to take something from them. That's not not it at all. You need to adopt this sort of stance of, of empathy. And like, I'm just going to go into this phone call just to let, if nothing else, let this person get a bunch of, a bunch of stuff off their chest. And maybe along the way, I'll find a better way to help them that people like this person, maybe not this particular person, but people like this need this kind of help. I can deliver that. And so what's cool is once you have that ESP, you can do all sorts of things with it. You, Yes, it can make your marketing better, of course. You know, your website, your headlines, your 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 social media bios, you can make all of that stuff super, super laser focused. But it, it also will make your sales process easier. It'll be a lot easier to ask for the sale because people would be much more likely to be throwing money at you because they you click with them. They click with you. They're, they feel it. But it goes beyond sales even. It could go all the way into products and services that you offer. So you might... You might find that there's a, a particular need that's just not met or you're not meeting with your uh, offerings. And so you construct a particular productized service or a particular, you know, Reuven, for you, maybe it's a self-paced course. Maybe it's just a workbook. Uh, but Some particular thing that addresses this pain that they have. And you just let them know about it. Hey, hey you know, thanks for that phone call last week. It was super helpful. I I, I took your advice. I put together this workbook. Uh, I think it's really good, but it's you know it's still a draft. If I don't know if you have time, but you know, I'd love to give you a free copy of it if you want if if you could give me some feedback, it would be amazing if there's anything wrong with it. Tell me if you love it. Um, you know, and get them kind of invested in the process. And just by virtue of the fact that you took someone's advice, you know that that they feel like they helped you, they're probably gonna want to help you back. You get this reciprocity thing going. And you know before you know it, you're kind of like kind of like friends, even if you didn't know them in the first place so this has happened to me over and over again with the credit union stuff where it kind of i've started to connect with the like minds out there we all feel like we're kind of voices in the wilderness trying to get credit unions to pull their heads out of the sand and do something about technology in a way that is going to be relevant to the next generation and we are all kind of on the same side like we sort of team up like we're these underdogs or something and uh you pretty quickly connect with people that are like-minded. You know, I mean, it, the, the web is nothing if not a place for birds of a feather to flock together. So, if you kind of put those ideas out there, even if it even if it means talking to people, heaven for heaven forfend, <laughs> it's wildly helpful to everybody involved. And if you if you feel like a spaz at marketing or you don't know what you're doing or you don't know how to raise your rates or you don't know what products and services you should offer, you don't know how to you know, you don't know what headlines to write on your homepage. It's an obvious sign to me that you need to talk to your buyers more. You need to talk to your audience more.
1: Um, I just want to. Uh, well, I mean, you said that the the whole compassion thing is not just during the marketing cycles, also when you're actually delivering. And I I absolutely agree. Um, every time I give a course, just about every time, there's a like a survey. And, you know, people give me, you know, know, numeric rankings, but the part that really interests me in many ways is the comments. Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating for me to see that one of the comments that comes through again and again is, oh, he's very patient at like answering our questions. For people taking a course, this seems to be like a really crucial thing. And I guess it makes sense, right? If I'm taking a course and I ask a question, I don't want to be the person, I don't want the person teaching to say, that, that simple question, you're asking me that. I mean, that's just, so, so not being dismissive, being being very open, being warm about it, understanding that the things that are obvious to you are not obvious to them. Mm-hmm. It it's not just like being nice; it adds up, and it's good business. Um, and figuring out a way to sort of not get impatient. And my family laughs at the notion that I'm a very patient person, <laughs> or people, ask, or if people ask the same thing, I smile and I answer it gently and calmly multiple times because these are not behaviors they are used to seeing me. Uh, exhibit at home, <laughs> but you know, um, it, has, it has to be right. It has to be because otherwise, bad news. No one's going to want to hire the instructor who every time you ask a question rolls his eyes and says, "Not that question again."
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, I guess there are such things as dumb questions. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. So you know, it's it's just not rocket science. So I, I feel like I feel like the real. I feel like people typically hear this advice and they're like, yeah, that would work, but then they kind of dismiss it because maybe unconsciously or subconsciously or semi-consciously they're like scared of it or there's something that scares them about it, but if if you so dear listener, if you're having that reaction, you need to explore that cuz that's a problem. Like if you're if you are this is the easiest way to do sales you know and and if you have a business you have to do sales you have to so if you don't have enough leads if you feel like you know you're you're scraping money together to pay your bills if you have super Extreme feast famine cycles. If the only leads you ever get are random word of mouth leads, and you're the type of people you help are all over the map, this is the problem. It's because you're not taking sales and marketing seriously, and you have to. And this is the easiest way: have conversations with people who you want to help. It like, I it's it, that's it. That's it. That's the secret to success right there. I found that I found some definitions I wrote down earlier. I was talking about pity, sympathy, empathy, and compassion. So, just to loop back to that quickly, pity the definition here is is pity is little more than a conscious acknowledgement of the plight of others. And then, sympathy is care and concern and a wish to see him better off. A wish that's sympathy. Empathy is. Uh, recognizing, recognizing and sharing the emotions of the plighted individual. That's the stage that I, I want everyone to get to with their, uh, their buyers, whether they're customers or clients or members or whatever. And then compassion, the highest level is an active desire to alleviate the suffering of the plighted. I love that the plighted. <laughs> so, you know, it's a sliding scale. But if you can at least get yourself to the empathy stage where you share in the emotions, as you so rightly put it, Ruben, uh, then you're getting to the place where you're going to connect with people they are going to trust you and you can really help them because now they trust you. It's hard to help someone who doesn't really trust you. You can't just, usually you can't just like apply a therapy to someone and just be like, there you go, you're fixed. Right, right. Um,
1: I remember by the way I was going to say, which is, you know, I think many of us, and especially the self-employed among us, um, if someone asks us what we do for our work, we love talking about it. Like, like we do what we do, not just because, wow, I make good money, but we really enjoy what we're doing, whether it's the technology, whether it's the helping people, whether it's the challenge. Like there, there's something there. We get excited about it. And so, like, first of all, give someone else the opportunity to tell you about their work and they're equally excited about it. And if you can share in some of that excitement, demonstrate some empathy That's good for your business, but they're going to want to talk to you more and that's going to build the trust. But um, also they are, you know, as part of this conversation, I mean, I guess the marketing conversation less so they're talking more, but part of sales is you demonstrating experience and excitedness. And again, if you come in and say, yeah, I help people with their software. (laughs) You know, like their servers run better, right? Like no one's going to want to hire you. Um, but if you come and you say, I got this company running great, you know, better and they were making more money and they had fewer, you know, they were able to hire fewer people and more efficient. Like they, they want to get the sense that you really, I mean, saying that you have to be passionate to be successful is perhaps overstating it. Um but you have to be willing to talk about it, and if you have to be willing to talk about what the benefits are of working with you, and if you enjoy what you do, that's way easier because you're pretty convinced of it yourself,
2: yeah, you have to care like if you don't care, just go get a job right <laughs> There are plenty of those right, so you know it's easy for me to say, but it's true like if you don't if you really don't care, that might be part of the problem so but i'm I'm going to assume most people care they either like you said they they enjoy the mastery of their craft or something they they dig it they don't they like the freedom of being self-employed they're just they just can't survive in a cubicle environment whatever the reason is that's great you know and you you love the activities that you engage in in your job that's pretty common to, to find people who are, are happy in that in that way the Perhaps the the step where I see people kind of falling down, uh, you know, maybe after the first year or two of freelancing, they start to get stuck, and they're like, "Oh wow, I tapped out my personal network. It's harder to find jobs now." the The next phase of the maturation process is to start to build up that empathy with your clients. So, so it's like, yeah, I love building Angular apps or something like that. I just love learning Angular. And so on and so forth. So, so you get really great at Angular. Eventually, you want—I hope for you—to get to the point where you get even more excited about how Angular can help a particular slice of your of, of the population. So, you pick a particular slice of the population that you care about for some reason. You either like them, or they're in a situation that you feel is wrong, and you want to help them. Whatever the reason is, and you take your skills and you put them in service of fixing that problem or helping that particular market and then your satisfaction comes more from successful application of these tools than just the manipulation of the tools themselves you know so it's a process that you go through but if you if you've been in business for like a year or two and you're feeling that sort of stuckness and maybe you feel like you're not learning that much new about the platform you're working on you kind of know it inside out at this point you're not really learning that much more then I would suggest to you that the the next phase, the next level of satisfaction will come from applying those tools to someone else's problem and getting and deriving your satisfaction from their uh, improved condition in a little bit less of of like the physical nature of um, the activities of what you do. So like for me, back when I played guitar, I was obsessed with just the physicality of playing guitar I just loved everything about it I loved I just stared like my guitars like so cool and like feeling the strings under my fingers after a while that gets after 30 years that gets a little old you know I I do not get the same kind of satisfaction out of it the satisfaction I get now is using those skills to make people dance their ass off or something like that like that is Mm -hmm. way more fun for me now and not that I do that, I'm not even capable of that, but that's where my satisfaction would come from. Like if I was going to get back into playing music, you know, at night, my goal would be to make people dance, like just have a blast. And I I would use guitar and singing to do that. But my goal wouldn't be to like, wow, look how good I am at playing guitar. It would be like, yeah, that was fun. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, after a while, I think, um, I think it's natural to go through these stages, but You know, I see a lot of people just get stuck at that, you know, like, I just love playing guitar. I just want to sit in my room and play guitar to the mirror and just I just love it. A lot of people get stuck there with what I keep saying angular, but it could be anything, of course, um, whatever, whatever tool they use. And they have a hard time getting to that next level.
1: Right, right. I mean, like, how many websites did I create and what applications did I create And before I said, okay, I I want to do sort of something more, more, I want to do something new, more satisfying, and, you know, the helping people part became the satisfying part. And as I moved more into that and started doing the training more, I said, wow, this is, this is sort of, you know, a new thing. And I'm using the same skills. I'm using the software skills, but I'm adding other skills and I'm getting a different sense of satisfaction. Like, I'm no longer creating it myself. I'm helping other people to create. And that's like, that's even better from my perspective.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. And that's where you move into when you see sort of someone who I think technically either calls himself a freelancer or technically is a freelancer in my definition of that term. Moving out of that uh, freelance, going through this process of being more satisfied by delivering great results than by just doing the activities, that's when you, I think you either you turn into like an educator or a consultant, like an advisory style consultant or a trainer like you're doing. And it becomes a lot more, becomes more service oriented, service focused, I think. Uh, it's, I, so I just, I think it's a natural progression up the chain. And then if if perhaps there's a mapping here from from the, you know, the emotional reaction to someone in distress, you know, perhaps the compassion level is when you go beyond consulting and trainer and become like an authority. You're like that's when you become like the TED speaker. That's when you're. That's when you're mm-hmm. having best-selling books because you've gone to the very top of the that level of caring about the results in the audience, and you you want to like scale it up as far as you possibly can to like have the biggest impact. Right. Right.
1: I mean, I think a, a running theme through everything we've been saying is you. If you're interested in freelancing, if you are freelancing, want to level up your game, you have to be willing to talk to people and like hear both both talk and listen. A lot of listening, what they want to do, and a lot of talking about how you know what you can do as well. And if you're uncomfortable with that, yeah, I'm, I'm going to echo what Jonathan said already, which is um, you sh- you should you can train yourself to do that. But there's some people whose personalities just aren't aren't sort of uh, uh, good for it?
2: Um, yeah, I, I would I argue a... that
1: most people can like learn to do it, but are you going to be happy?
2: True. Right. Is it a natural fit? I, I think, I mean, I don't consider myself an extrovert. I, I mean, I just, I work by myself. Like, you know, folks hear me on this podcast and other podcasts, and I'm always talking to people, but I'm like just in my room by myself, you know, it's, <laughs> it's weird. I, I consider myself much more of an introvert than an extrovert. I, I need a f- pretty high degree of alone time to recharge my batteries. So I, I honestly, I don't think it's an introvert extrovert thing. I think it, it's a little bit more along the lines of, of, I believe that what I do can help people and maybe you know and presumably I'll make some money along the way but the money's kind of a side effect my goal is to go help as many people as possible and once you start to look at it like that you kind of owe it to them to strike up a conversation you you it, sometimes looking at it like that helps people to think like oh i'm i'm withholding assistance from these people because i'm too chicken to send them an email no so that that can sometimes help if you think of it like that but i i I've, I've met very few people who really can't i mean can't talk to people they're just horrible at it very very few maybe hundreds of students that i've coached i can only think of like two you know that really really were bad in a conversation and should probably i, I don't know what they should do like they like i couldn't help them i was like i i can't i can't help you like i don't know what to do here you know, I don't know if they need to shrink or what, but <laughs> I, I couldn't help them. But the vast, I don't want people listening to this to think, oh, yeah, I'm one of those people. It's, the odds are extremely low that you can't talk to people. You probably talk to people all the time, and this should be no different. You're just talking maybe about a different thing with a slightly different kind of person, but it should just be a natural conversation where you're just curious about what they deal with in their day-to-day, as it relates, hopefully as it relates to what you do, but maybe not. And... Maybe there's a click there. Maybe there isn't. But it doesn't have to be this, like, grotesque, like, hey, buddy, want to buy a watch? You know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it it gets easier over time, like most things. Right? Like, I mean, the the first few times I spoke with clients, whether it was about finding out what they want to do, whether it was finding out uh, their budgeting or scheduling or anything, uh, I, I was terrified. And I'm sure I made lots of mistakes. But with each successive conversation became easier and easier until I've done it more than they have. Mm -hmm. You know, if a company calls me up now and wants training, I mean, I don't know how many whether they're new on the job or not, I've had this conversation hundreds of times. And Mm -hmm. they probably haven't. Mm -hmm. So I can say, okay, I'll need X and Y and Z and you should know the file, you know, A, B, and C. And uh, what do you, you know, do you prefer this or do you prefer that? Um, and it makes makes conversation much easier, makes it sound like like I'm more of an authority. Mm -hmm. But um, Yeah, it it wasn't always that
2: way. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I say it all the time. Everything's practiced for the next time. So like, it's (laughs) never like, it's never like this is the last time you're going to have a conversation like this or, oh man, you know, I'm playing Carnegie Hall. I'm freaking out. Like if I screw this up, it's going to blow my whole career. I, I, I've never played Carnegie Hall, but if I was, if I was going to, I would talk myself down from that ledge by saying the Carnegie Hall gig is just practice for Madison Square Garden. And Madison Square Garden is <laughs> just practice for the halftime of the Super Bowl. It's just there's always gonna be a bigger thing. If you just if you committed to keep going, there's gonna be a bigger thing. So this is just practice for the next one. So don't get too hung up on it. It's like, oh, I'm gonna go on Oprah. I'm panicking. Well, no, Oprah's just practice for Ted and Ted's just practice for, I don't know. I don't know what's bigger than that, but. But you know what I mean. Just don't. You know yes. like, what, what's going to happen. Know, a like lightning attitude. bolt is not going to come down and hit you. And and I mean, I used to
1: think on a few occasions. Okay, if I don't get this client, it's the end because like they're the biggest, best client. <laughs> you know what? There are a lot of biggest, best clients out there. The world is a big place. Mm-hmm. And um, if you really, really mess it up somehow, um, there are other people, other clients, and you'll you can you
2: can you know practice for next time as it were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that. I had a uh, an opportunity to uh, do a p- quote or a proposal for Target, which would have been like a dream client for me back when I was doing that stuff. And I completely blew it because I just got to, I, I, like the Carnegie Hall thing. I'm like, I have to get this gig. This would be so great. and And I completely blew it. I was way too needy. And they were like confused they're like what the, you know <laughs> and i just i talked myself out of that job it was it was a good experience and looking back on it there was no big deal like who cares i don't care you know it was it's actually i'm kind of glad because i can look back on it and be like oh there I, there i was not following my own advice take right, it way right. too seriously <laughs> i thought you did work with target it's not not target Staples, CBS, <laughs> uh, a bunch of big ones like that, but never Target.
1: Uh-huh. Very interesting.
2: Cool. All right. Yeah, I know you've got uh, things going on there. Maybe we should switch over to Epics.
0: For you, the listeners of Freelancer Show, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at lootcrate.com. Just enter the promo code Bridge10 for 10% savings. Loot Crate is one of my favorite things. Every month, I get a box in the mail. Costs less than $20, and it comes with all kinds of goodies. I have stuff from just looking at my shelf, Batman, Spider-Man, Ninja Turtles, Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and much, much more. So if you're a geek, a gamer, anything like that, and you want cool stuff to put around your office, cool t-shirts, comic books, etc., then definitely check out Loot Crate. To save 10% on your new subscription, go to lootcrate.com slash Ruby. Again, that's lootcrate.com slash Ruby to save 10% on any new subscription. Enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings.
2: Sounds great. Uh, you got anything this week? I do. Um, dear listener, since you like listening to podcasts, Uh, I recently launched a new one with a co-host named Rochelle Moulton and that show is called The Business of Authority and it's particularly for the consultants in the crowd, so folks who have either a big idea or a mission or a purpose or some sort of, they're on this sort of, um, they're at that stage where they're trying to change the world in a particular way. Uh, that, That show is about making a living while you're making a difference and she's a branding expert. I talk about pricing and we you know, have people on the show and we talk about, you know, we interview them. but We also have episodes where we just kind of dissect um, what came out of the interviews or particular topics that are, are of interest. Uh, and we launched that, uh, well, it, it's, there'll probably be about 10 or 15 episodes by the time you hear this. So go check out com and let me know what you think.
1: Excellent. Yeah, I, I got that in my feed. And, um, I started, I, I must admit, I started listening to the first one and they got into it with family stuff, but, <laughs> but the, what, what I heard was very good and definitely, want to hear more.
2: Cool. Thanks. Um,
1: so my, my pick, I, I'm sure I picked this in the past at some point, um, hopefully not too recently, but, uh, express VPN. So when I go to China, I need VPNs, but I find increasingly when I go to clients, I need VPNs hmm. like for checking my mail, for all sorts of like, different clients have different all sorts of weird network policies of what they will and won't let you do. Um, I mean, anyway, so it's very nice to have a VPN tunnel through there. I can check my mail using my mail client, not have to worry about it. And um, I mean, it's not like I'm doing anything you know, illegal or illicit on their network. <laughs> uh, but if I wanted to, I wouldn't have to worry about it. And um, I've definitely found I mean, I've been using ExpressVPN for a few years now. It can get through anything so far as I can tell and uh, and it works in china which is a nice nice bonus for those of us who visit there as well so uh if if you need such services i definitely recommend taking a look and i guess that brings us to the end of this episode jonathan thanks for amazing conversation as usual great talking thank you, you. All, all of you out there in podcast land for listening and we will be back next week on the freelancer show
0: bandwidth for this segment is provided by cashfly the world's fastest cdn Deliver your content fast with Cash Live. Visit cachefly.com to learn more.